0: Welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. Today we're going to have a brand new book guest on. Whether they're an author, an editor, a producer, you'll never quite know. So you're in for one hell of a ride. But today I just have to uh, do the adverts, and then I'll get us straight into that most important conversation. And as as we do every week, um, I'm going to read the shadow which is part of the Time Guardian series, and this is book four from Marianne Curley. The battle is over, the war is won. The prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan. Struggling to cope with tragic loss, at odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping in shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge to fullify the Immortals' plan for world domination. But Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation? Who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battles through the past and into an impossible future, darkness looks round every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or fool who stands in the shadow? And just a reminder that the price of freedom by Rosemary Aiken sorry Rosemary Rowan um is being donated to the Ukraine cri- refugee crisis. And here's the blurb for her book. It's uh, one of her roman british crime series which was written under her maiden name all editions can be found online where all books are sold even her agents donating her commission sorry i don't have the blurb for that but uh, that's that's what she's doing and now without further ado let's get you to the guests welcome back
1: to the spoken life podcast guys we've
0: got an incredible guest
1: on today she is a wizard with words and a swooner of hearts so i could not be more excited than to have her on today so without further ado everyone please welcome lisa thanks so much for having me on the show it's a pleasure so tell us about your latest release
2: um, well, my new book is called The Innocent One. And it can be read as a standalone, but it's actually a sequel to um, my very first novel, my debut novel, The Guilty One. So it's following the story of um, similar characters in um, the, the main character, Daniel Hunter, who's a criminal solicitor. And he had a difficult childhood, he grew up in care. Um, and in the original book, The Guilty One, he was confronted by a, a young client, just 11 years old, who had been charged with murder. And um, seeing Sebastian really made him confront a lot of um, his own childhood and, and what he'd gone through and how he himself um, was very close to becoming a very violent person if he hadn't been turned around with the love of his foster mum. So we join um, that story 10 years later. So the sequel came 10 years after my first novel, The Guilty One. And it's also 10 years in fiction. So the characters are all 10 years older. So the little boy who was on charge with murder is now an adult, 21. And Daniel, um, who was a single 30-something in the first book, is now married with his own child, and sort of struggling with with fatherhood and being a husband, um, as well as um, defending Sebastian again, um, when he is um, being considered as a suspect for the murder of his um
1: professor at university. Wow! So it's kind of like a reunion, sorts of of two spirits and two souls as mm-hmm. as time goes on I love that and I think a lot of readers nowadays they always want to know well this really isn't the end of the story because life doesn't kind of work that way so they always want to know that little bit more so what was your aha moment for this what was the moment that you were like this this is the next thing I need to write
2: well it quite, it's a good question quite an interesting one because when I finished um the guilty one 10 years ago that that story was complete for me. The sort of arc of the story was fully complete um, because Daniel had, um, he went through the trial with Sebastian, but also confronted his own demons. And, um, you know, his, his foster mum, who had changed him so much, had died. And for me, that was really the principal story. And and when the book came to a close, for me, that was the story finished. But when I went round... um. The country doing events, yeah. Um, over the years, so that so this was I've done this. I did another, a second, a third, a fourth book. And people who were familiar familiar with the guilty one would um, say to me time and again that they wanted more, that they they felt the guilty one wasn't finished, um, that they wanted to hear more of Daniel, and and they wondered what happened to Sebastian. So it was it was really sort of audience demand telling me that they um they wanted to revisit the characters in that story um, that that drove me to do that. That's incredible. So uh, Yeah, Yeah. so I I really um, started to come around to the idea and uh, sat down and thought that it was actually quite an interesting proposition to look at the characters 10 years on um, because um, so much had changed in their lives and I could see what they were doing now.
1: That's incredible, and I think those moments and those stories are really, really important, especially when you're kind of moving forward and you're trying to figure things out. And it's incredible to hear, you know, when when particularly when an audience is like, "Oh, you got to, you, you know, we're not done. That 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 itch isn't scratched. We need to know more. We need to know more." is is an incredible feeling. And I myself have experienced it when I was working on my series. I I got that after the first one. They're like, oh, no, you, you, you can't leave it there. That's a cliffhanger. That's not, that's, oh, oh, my gosh, no. And then, you know, I found myself diving into those characters and diving into, well, what does it mean? What, what can I, What more can I do? What else can I do on this? Um. So, yeah, that's that, I always say, is the most incredible feeling because you feel like you're giving the readers who bought this book, who's invested their time and their effort into reading it, that almost that next sort of reward for for doing that and for being a part of that. Hmm.
2: Yeah, very much so. I think the only problem with that is that um, now I've finished the the innocent one, and um, people are still saying that they they would like more more. They <laughs> they think that it's still a little open ended to the way it's finished. So we'll see. Certainly not the next thing I'm moving on to, but uh, you never know. Never say never.
1: Yeah, I agree with that because every time I think, "Nope, this is done," I can move on. Somebody'll say something, and then I'll get an idea, and I'll be like, "Ah, oh, pedals." Here mm-hmm. we go again. You know, it's, it's, I always think that's the, the kind of the funny element of it is you just you just don't know, and you just kind of have to to go with the flow. And I think as authors, you know, we never know what stories is going to be told to us. We're all receivers. We're not, mm-hmm. you know, if if it comes, it comes. If it doesn't come, well. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about it uh persistence is oh, unfortunately a, a great tool in our arsenal but it doesn't always uh, resolve every problem and and I think that's that's something really incredible to be able to to tap into and to do so how have you found sort of the author process for yourself how have you found becoming an author and, and going on this sort of 10-year journey
2: um I think yeah. it's you know it's been um it's been both wonderful and terrible at the same time. I think it's yeah. the 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 best thing about being an author is um is having readers. You know, is is yeah. having people read your books, um, so that the stories are not just in your own head but um out there in the world. There's um a, a, something I've heard about uh, Margaret Atwood. What she said about uh, writing and reading. She said that when you're writing a book. It's kind of like um, a straight line, just the author and the book, the author and the book. And then once it's published, it turns into a triangle because you have the author, the book and the reader. And that really changes the book significantly because it's, it yeah. it's not just your baby. It's not that the words change, but I think um, different people see it in a different way. They imagine it in a different way. And I think that gives it in a sense a life of its own. So that's certainly been the the best thing about being an author and and the greatest privilege, and I think that the tough part is just um, you know that it's a it's a tough industry, um, it is. As, and it's in the past ten years has become a lot tougher, you know, in terms of what's happened within publishing. So the. The fact that there used to be like five monster publishers and there's now just three, yep. um, you know, then the whole fact of um, libraries being undermined and independent booksellers being undermined and pushed out, I think makes it a lot more difficult and much less diverse. And um, I think I struggle with that. And of course, now there's that, that whole new challenge of AI coming in. Yeah, um, you know, which is is another thing. So, so these, I think, the the things that have made it very difficult have been um, to do with the the industry and the changes and just um, how you have to to fight um, to to publish what what you've imagined and created. I think.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I've I've certainly noticed that because I work in both screenwriting and in novels, and mm-hmm. it's been. I think this entire year has just been, a, I call it a whitewash year because, you know, indie, indie publishers, which is where, where I've been it for the majority of my career, you know, they're struggling. They're struggling mm-hmm. because they're they're going up against these great, you know, these great big companies that are dominating the industry and making it hard for them to get the same sort of level of marketing and attention and detail to that. And a lot of it now is falling on indie the authors to do a lot of this stuff themselves, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also kind of a, a problem, you know, moving forward with, it, with these kind of things. Um, the other thing I've noticed is, you know, if you're working in and out of screenwriting, too, there's that kind of almost pressure of trying to do everything you can to fulfill expectations as well. Mm-hmm from not just the studios but from streamers from you know you're working with producers you're working with directors you're working with all these different people so the job of being just a writer who sits down and gets to write the stories inside them or mm-hmm. fight with writers those days are way way gone now and uh we're kind of essentially just sort of feeling our way forward now because there's no mm-hmm. clear path at least with the writers guild They're, you know they're like okay we you know this is your protection this is the rules this is where you're going but for for the publishing industry we don't have that we don't Mm -hmm. have that strict kind of leaning guidance to say okay this Mm -hmm. is a scary time but this is where we're at this is what what needs to do and this is where we need to be going Mm -hmm. this is what we need to be thinking about and i try and take all of that into consideration you know mm-hmm. when when I hear and I talk to you like new writers who are so excited about the industry and think that there's all this magic to it and there is magic to the industry but it's a lot of uncertainty and hard times and I think that's the mm. one thing I'm passing on more than anything mm-hmm. do you feel like you're in the same boat that you're kind of passing on similar yeah ones?
2: no ab- absolutely yeah and it's um you yeah, because you know well, I know a lot of authors whose debut has come out in the, the last year or the year before. You know, and it's it's I think it's a kind of um a different world than even when I started ten years ago. It doesn't you know that that's not a very long time to have been publishing, but it seems like there has been a lot of industry changes in that time, not yeah. all of them um positive. So I think um yeah, I, I kind of um I, but I try not to try not to rain on anybody's parade, you know. So. No, I, I
1: think it's a it's a balancing act because you you want them to be excited and you want them to share the stories, but at the same time, you're also kind of probably like me, where you're like, you should kind of know what you're getting yourself into as well, because mm-hmm. you know, there's almost that sense of well, forewarned is is forearmed mm-hmm. in a sense. Yeah. Um. You know, and I actually got that same right for once. I didn't. I didn't picture halfway <laughs> through. <laughs> um which if anyone knows me well, I, I have a tendency to get a lot of things mixed up. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's good. I think it's good to see that there's still that enthusiasm, you know, for writing still out there. And it's, it's not all focused on TV or games or mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It's focused on the wider network and the wider range of different opportunities and different things we can do. So sure. what is it that you're reading right now that's got, that you would say is exciting. That's kind of got you wanting to curl up at night with with it and just dive into pages.
2: Well, it's um, it's a it's a literary author called Mary Lawson, and I she was not on my radar at all. I didn't know anything about her. She's only got four novels out. She takes quite a long time to write each novel, which then makes me feel good as well because <laughs> she takes six years to write a novel. So then I feel I feel better about taking a, a while myself. Um, but she was uh, suggested to me. Um, for a, I joined a book group down in um, Keswick, um yeah. down in that area, and um, um. You know, just I was I was hosted there, you know, as part of um, uh, the tour for The Innocent One. And um, the leader of the book group there, when I was talking about the kind of things I like to read, which is, is usually quick family stories, gentle stories. Um, I don't I don't read a lot of crime, um, which yeah. surprises people. She she had suggested this woman to me. So she's Lawson. lost and she's Canadian, but she's lived in the UK. I think, for some years. And um, her, her books are all set in Canada in the sort of, you know, northern territories out in the sort of wilderness. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are fantastic. And I'm just finishing. It's not her fourth one, as in the last one she wrote, but it's, it's the final one that I haven't read that's published. I'm just reading that now. So after I've finished that, I won't have any more May Lawsons to read and... Until she publishes
1: another one. But you have marked it down on your calendar. You know? Because I think Mm. we all get like that. I mean, it's weird because a lot of people read my contemporary fiction. And they're like, well, how is it you don't read much of it? And I'm like, well, Mm. when you write it a lot and you research it a lot, you kind of sicken yourself of it a little bit. So you you need to find another outlet. Mm -hmm. So I might dive into adult fantasy or I might go into crime. or I have to find the genre that's completely separate to what I'm doing. Otherwise, it just, I get, sometimes I get confused, sometimes I need to dive into that genre to get the feel, or to get some sort of, like, flow back, but for me, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I I, I try to read other things uh, consistently to try and keep that flow of creativity Mm -hmm. and imagination that we get when when we are readers ourselves, and we kind of go through that process. Um, yeah
2: no absolutely because i mean i i didn't do any um you know like it's it's very fashionable now to do creative writing courses and you know all these different ones all over the country i didn't do anything like that i i learned through reading so it's it's very much you know yeah, that sort of um those books um that i'm drawn to are, are very very important just for feeding my own creativity and sort of showing me how to do it even though the you know the the subject matter ladies.
1: Yeah, and I think we all sort of were like sponges. I think writers, particularly, we soak up everything around us. So whatever we're feeling or whatever we're going through, that kind of comes through our writing. It comes through that weird feeling that we get in our stomachs, and we, you know, that's mm-hmm. what we try and capture on the page, and that's what we keep pushing um, our words and our characters, and 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 drives mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, like, particularly if I'm in a what I call a period of upheaval, my writing is not as good because I cannot get whatever sensation that I'm trying to capture. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's an important thing to be able to, to not only tap into one's feelings, but also know that that feeling is going to then affect the person that's reading your work, too. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Sure. So what's
1: what's the most like important lesson you feel like you've learned so far? Um as a writer,
2: I think um I think probably one of the most important lessons is just to to keep going actually. Yeah. Um because I think um you know there's a lot of disappointment, there's a lot of failure, you know it's that sort of try try fail again feel better you know that that kind of idea I think yeah. for me that's that's kind of the the most important thing is just to to keep going to keep doing it um, to keep creating and, and putting
1: words on the page I think that's um the most important thing I would agree with you on that I think for me like I've written so many different books and I've had so many different opportunities over the years that I've almost learned feeling upwards and then downwards and then, Oh, yay, I've gotten up a little bit more and things mm-hmm. are going really well. Ooh, no, There I go again. You know, like it's almost like sailing, you know, if you're on a sailing boat and you're trying to, to get somewhere you're, you know, you're focused on the sailing the boat straight or getting it, getting it through whatever storm you're in. Um, oh, Sandy, you check the weather before you go guys. But mm. yeah, it, it's that kind of idea. And I think, there's no set path to writing either. It's not like hmm. you get into a nine-to-five and you know what your role is and then you know how to put in that little extra that gets you the promotion, that gets you the next step and the next step and the next step. Whereas writing is kind of like you're, I would say like you're fumbling in the dark for the light switch.
0: Yes. And then if
1: you do hit it, you know, yay, success! But that doesn't mean that the light bulb's going to stay on.
0: You know, mm-hmm. you don't
1: know how long when the light bulb was, boom, and then you got to go find a new light bulb and then find a new switch and do it all over again yeah Uh, you know and and I think it's a good analogy for a lot of from a lot of writers to readers like you know this stuff is not easy we're all fumbling around in the dark searching for that that one tiny light switch that is not where you think it's gonna be yeah it's so true so Um, is what are you looking forward to is there a book that's coming out that you're really excited about or uh, of my own know that you might be reading that the readers can can get excited about too oh um sort of someone else I read yeah
2: um yeah I'm always looking out for the new Elizabeth Strout or um I guess it might be another few years before I get another Mary Lawson but yeah I'm looking forward to, looking forward to reading those um when they come out so that's that's definitely what I'm I'm looking forward to
1: and so what what is it that the readers can look forward to from you moving forward
2: well I think um, I think my my books have been renowned for being very dark you know for sort of shining a light on dark corners dealing yep. with very dark subject matter so um, I've written about child on child murder sexual assault um, I've written about um, PTSD um uh, so there's there seems to be um, kind of quite a lot of dark subject matter that I've been writing about. Um, and my, my new book that I'm working on just now, while I think it does have shades of darkness to it, it's perhaps a little bit lighter um, than some of the things I've, I've done in the past. So a little bit different
1: um, for, for me. And what what is like is there a genre that you're excited to try moving forwards or is there or do you think you're going to stick where you are and, and stay in sort of your genre at the moment As a writer? Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I I think um the genre'll stay the same in the sense that um I've always been a kind of um I've often been told that I was like sitting in crime, but I think my books, um, um, although it has to be said, particularly in Scotland, you know that that crime is a very broad church and encompasses quite a quite a range of different styles and writing. Um, but my own writing, I think, is always often focused on family yeah. and. Um, on children and adults and and that kind of um developmental psychology that we go through, i think that's that's yeah. the kind of subject matter that i I tend to return to time and again, so in that sense, I suppose that it's not your sort of standard crime story um and I think that will continue to be the the case that there's perhaps is a crime in there um but that the focus yeah. is is very much on that sort of relationship between people in a family and and how we change
1: as individuals or even the potential for change as an individual itself yeah i think um family is very important for anybody that's scottish i think we're brought up with the sense of family is hugely important and it drives a lot of what we create and what we do and I think that's the culture and I I always think it's amazing to get as many Scottish writers on as possible because we share that no matter whether we're writing crime or whether we're writing fantasy or we're writing romance we all share that sort of bond of family first and then you know building building those stones and keeping our culture that we've been raised upon very Mm -hmm. much alive and continuing that that kind of almost hand down tradition yeah I think that's I think
2: that's I think that's true but um I think quite a lot of the time when I'm writing about family it's about um sort of difficult family relationships or challenging family relationships um and also there's another feature of my my work which isn't um, exclusive. I mean, I have. I think my fourth novel was set in Edinburgh, but quite often I I don't um, base my books in Scotland at all. So they they tend to be located elsewhere, or quite often places I've never visited or been to. Um, that's that's kind of I'm always kind of reaching outside of myself um, to, of course, yeah. to 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 set a novel.
1: I know I mean I've done the same thing I've written in places that I've never been but I have that kind of I think I feel like I bring the Scotland a little bit of Scotland into everything that Mm -hmm. I write because Mm -hmm. it's it's there it's in your blood you can't ignore it yeah Um, you know and and I think that's made us all really great storytellers is if you think about it we all probably started sitting around fires way back in the day you know telling stories because it's a cold winter and you're just bored yeah. of mind. You just want something to do, um, and I think I think that's so true. Yeah, and I think it's it's amazing to see how we've gone from that to thousands of years later, where we're now, mm-hmm. you know, we're the leading storytellers in the world. Really, if you if you think on how many successful authors we've had, that's come from uh, from Scotland and sort of mm-hmm. their islands and things like that. Um, and I always feel a sense of pride a little bit of pride i'm like yay! <laughs> you know i'm sure you do as well when when you're at a lot of the crime conventions and awards and stuff as well that you kind of
2: yeah yeah it was, it was good although i was at bloody scotland um just recently and um everyone was on, i was the only scot on the panel oh, no. so uh, we were joined by um famous swedish writer and then there was an australian writer who had come all 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 the way over from australia for the festival um so yeah Yeah. so so that was was
1: such a huge event for for scotland as well in regards to writing it's one of our biggest writing conventions of the year and i think that's yeah it's a great great festival and that's
2: that's also because i remember i i went to that 10 years ago when the guilty one came out and it was so much smaller you know whereas it's yeah. now um you know it's gone into a, a different realm um because I remember the the first time I went to Bloody Scotland um, it was wonderful I met William McIlvaney in the bar which and yeah. of course I was just a, a huge fan of his um and at the time he was being positioned as the the grandfather of tartan Noir which you know I think he uneasily accepted but he was much much more than a a crime writer you know he was a wonderful sensitive um writer um beyond you know his detective fiction it was wasn't really detective fiction anyway it was just um involved a detective. Um yeah. but you know he was he was a wonderful writer and so it was it was a huge privilege to meet him and um and he was encouraging me to keep writing and keep trying. He he said um he said that he had to follow your demon, which I think yes. is again quite a Scots thing, you know? He'd say it keep is, following definitely. you keeps follow keep following your demon and I really understood that and, and thought it took heart from that and I think that's what we were saying earlier about, you know, the greatest lesson is just to keep going is the, you have to almost trust, trust that creativity and yeah. where it takes you. So
1: Exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. You've been an amazing guest. Um, thank you. Definitely. Son, it was gorgeous. And and I can't wait to have you back for when you have your next one out um, because, you know, it's always great to, for the listeners to catch up and to hear more about what's going on. And, you know, there, there's so much changes going on in this street. And I think that having that conversation more is going to be really important moving forward, especially with how complicated this world's been and, and, mm-hmm. and how much more mm-hmm. has got to go. But yeah, um, thank you so much for coming on. And, guys, if you want to come back next week as we've got another female amazing author coming on that you're not going to want to miss. It's going to be an exciting one. Um, and I'm sure you're going to want to give it a listen. But for now, be safe. And uh, make sure that you pick up a copy of the Innocence ones and also anything else that Lisa's done because it sure as hell sounds amazing.